G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, Lyle, let's go straight to one of the big issues. Uh, Of course, the polls out afresh today. It's the Fairfax Ipsos poll, uh, as I understand it, uh, showing that Labor's increased a lead, at least in the polls, 55 to 45 now on a two-party preferred basis. You've been following along polling. Uh, What does it mean for what's happening with the government and with the opposition? Yeah, look, Noel, um, sorry, uh, Neil. Uh, Neil, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> apologies. Right. Uh, it's Monday morning. Um, look, the polls are, are a snapshot in time of uh, voter intention. So last week we had the news poll, which is probably seen as the most authoritative of the political polling, showing that the government uh, only slightly behind Labor. And then today we've got this Ipsos poll out uh, published in the Fairfax Press uh, saying that Labor is is way ahead. Now, they both can't be right, and I don't believe that uh, we we saw such a catastrophic week last week for the government to, to warrant such a, a swing. So, look, I, I think um, we, we've just got to look at the polls uh, and, and take them. Yes, they, they are a bit of a guide, but uh, they're not uh, the Bible in terms of how the government is travelling. And I think the other thing to note is that we're still uh, two years away from an election. So, um, yes, this, this poll will worry the government. Uh, they are working to try and repair uh, they're standing in the polls, but it's not unusual for an incumbent government to be behind in the polls, and I wouldn't read too much into it. No, uh, except to say uh, that the media uh, in particular uh, works itself into a lather over polls. It gives journalists an opportunity to express their thoughts on what's happening and uh, why polls might reflect the way that they do. And when uh, you have a poll that says the government would have lost 24 seats if an election had been held this past weekend, uh, then it obviously does create uh, an, a conversation starter. Now, there's a whole lot of issues, uh, some of those economic, some of those social. And uh, we've been talking through issues uh, for a long time now and some of the social issues. And, of course, Anzac Day is coming up. It won't be too long away, only about four weeks away. Uh, you've got a bit of a campaign running, Lyle Shelton, uh, about restoring the, uh, the ADF uh, above politics. What are your thoughts on what's happening with the ADF at the moment? Yeah, well, we're very concerned, uh, Neil, and, and this is very pertinent, as you say, in the lead-up to Anzac Day, but we, we saw very recently our Defence Force personnel, Army personnel, marching in uniform uh, once again in the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. Not only were they marching in uniform again, but for the first time they had a uh, a lapel pin uh, that featured the sacred Rising Sun uh, badge, which has been worn by our Anzacs, uh, ever since, uh, encased in the rainbow political flag. Now, this is putting the ADF and their personnel well and truly in line with a political agenda to change the Marriage Act, to have uh, so-called safe schools teaching children their gender is fluid. Uh, it's a political agenda that wants to stamp out free speech uh, so that you can't speak uh, in a way that upholds marriage between a man and a woman, as we've seen with Coopers and the Bible Society and, and then uh, IBM. Uh, so, so this is a very intolerant agenda, and yet our 
army was uh, forced, uh, in one sense, to to uh, adopt this political agenda and march with the rainbow flag encircling the rising sun insignia, insignia in the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras. I think uh, most Australians want the army to be above politics, and we've certainly um, we're certainly encouraging the government to restore that uh, with a petition uh, that we have uh, urging the Defence Minister Maurice Payne to make sure this doesn't happen again. Well, Lyle, given the Rising Sun badge uh, with its rainbow uh, reworking, is it likely that those badges, uh, that that image is going to uh, come out when Anzac Day marches come? I mean, how uh, how do you think uh, serving personnel and uh, those who've served our nation uh, might feel if that badge is uh, is being worn by some uh, people who are marching on Anzac Day? Look, I don't. I would be very surprised if that happened. Uh, I, 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 and I'd be interested to know if any of your listeners uh, see that in, at any of the Anzac Day marches, uh, because it would beg the question: if the army are allowed to have a non-regulation uh, lapel pin um, on their uniform. Uh, supporting a particular political cause, why can't they support the political causes of, of so many other issues? Uh, I.e., could, could army personnel wear the, the little feet of the pro-life movement on their lapels? I, I mean, does the uniform of the Defence Forces become a carrier for all sorts of political causes? I think that's the line that uh, has been stepped over by allowing uh, this, uh, this uh, doctored lapel uh, pin, which is non-regulation, uh, to be attached to a uniform and worn in a political parade. So that, that's been a big mistake uh, by the ADF, uh, in my view, and by the Defence Minister in allowing it. Um, but uh, if that was to occur on, on Anzac Day, I think uh, there would be a big hue and cry. I don't expect it will, um, but you know, given that a precedent has now been set, um, I, I think we've got to be vigilant. Well, Lyle, uh, there is some sense in which uh, you appreciate that the same-sex marriage push doesn't rest, and that was just one of the uh, latest issues. Another one of those, of course, was uh, some of the more significant business leaders in Australia uh, signing a letter to the Prime Minister and uh, encouraging him to have a free vote in the Parliament. Uh, One of the issues that came out of that, of course, uh, that the Optus CEO... Uh, says that same-sex marriage is good for business. Uh, what are your thoughts on the idea that uh, that uh, if there's a change to the marriage uh, uh, definition, that that actually might be good for business in Australia? Well, I think that's um, that's very hard to believe that that somehow allowing uh, a very small percentage of you know two percent of the population to to get gay married is going to somehow affect uh, business i think that that is a complete nonsense and uh, we've seen that in new zealand where they made all these sorts of um, claims as well and of course it didn't occur but uh if the optus ceo and these other 30 ceos that have written to the prime minister think that uh same-sex marriage is good for business then they should support the plebiscite so that the people of australia can have a say and put this issue to rest once and for all uh, they should be supporting that instead of writing to the Prime Minister and urging him to break an election promise. I think as Australians, we expect our corporate leaders, our CEOs, to act with integrity uh, in the way they do their business. If, uh, if uh, we can't have confidence that corporate leaders are acting with integrity, then our whole economy breaks down. And that's why it's worrying that these corporate leaders are asking the Prime Minister to break 
his integrity uh, to go against his election promise to allow this to become a parliamentary vote instead of the plebiscite that he promised. So I'm disappointed that corporate leaders would be urging a political leader to do something uh, that would cause that political leader to break a promise. Um, that's a real problem. And I think we need to just be aware that um, these corporate leaders, uh, I think, have, um, have just overstepped uh, the mark uh, here. Yes, by all means, they are free to have a say. But to argue that a prime minister should break a promise is very worrying. What what other promises do these corporate leaders think are okay to be broken in the course of their business? Um, it, it's a big concern. Uh, while we're on the issue of marriage and plebiscites, of course, uh, Peter Dutton has put forward a proposal for a postal vote plebiscite. Uh, does the Australian Christian Lobby have a position on whether that would be a good thing, whether that uh, is a relevant uh, alternative to a full plebiscite? Uh, is it a fulfilment of the government's uh, promise uh, to have a plebiscite if they held something that was cheaper and uh, and but maybe perhaps not getting everybody's say? Uh, what are your thoughts on the idea of a postal vote plebiscite, uh, Lyle? Yeah, I'm not opposed to a, a postal vote. Uh, as your listeners would know, Neil, the, the Senate um, rejected uh, the idea of a plebiscite. They thwarted the government's attempt to, to get this through the parliament uh, just before Christmas. Uh, and, and one of the issues they cited was was the cost. Well, if they really believe that, well, let's, let's support a postal vote. It, it does make it a lot cheaper to hold because you don't have to man and staff uh, polling places all over the country. Uh, you can do it by postal uh, ballot. I think that is a viable alternative. And uh, to answer your question, yes, it does uh, fulfil the government's promise to consult the people. I, I think it would need to be a compulsory postal vote, though, uh, in line with uh, our, our normal voting practices. Um, but uh, that, And that would require legislation. But I think that's a reasonable thing to ask the Senate. And uh, if they're concerned about costs, as they said they were, well, that they should have no objection to uh, passing legislation to allow a compulsory postal vote of the Australian people. So I think Peter Dutton has been quite innovative in putting this idea forward. OK, well, we'll monitor this space when it comes to a postal vote plebiscite. A couple of quick issues before I let you go, Lyle. Uh, the Australian Summit Against Sexual Exploitation, there is a gathering that's going to be happening uh, in Brisbane, Queensland, coming up in May. Uh, what sort of things are on the agenda for that particular uh, summit? Have you got uh, any ideas? Yeah, this is a historic summit. It's being led by uh, Wendy Francis, uh, who will be known to your listeners. Uh, she is ACL's Queensland director, but also our national spokesperson on the dignity of, of women and girls. She's been a tireless campaigner for G-rated outdoor advertising, a tireless campaigner against the sexual exploitation of women. And uh, at ACL, we're very much uh, supporting her uh, in this passion. We're right behind her. And uh, she uh, had this initiative to hold a, a summit. I think it's a historic summit. Uh, she's uh, partnering with uh, people who, who aren't necessarily from the Christian world, with uh, prominent feminists, with people like Hetty Johnson from Braveheart uh, and many, many others. Uh, she has the Mayor of Toowoomba speaking, uh, Councillor Paul Antonio, and uh, people might recall that last year he made a an aspirational declaration public that he would like to see the city of Toowoomba, a porn-free city. It made global headlines, a great aspiration for a mayor to, to express. So he'll be speaking uh, at the summit, and the whole aim will be to highlight uh, the need 
for law reform uh, in the area of uh, what's allowed in terms of exploiting women and young girls, uh, particularly through advertising, but but also through um, pornography and the internet. So this will be an important um, gathering uh, to highlight these issues, and uh, we'd encourage people to consider getting along to that. Okay, that's coming up Friday the 5th of May and Saturday the 6th of May. It'll be at the Queensland Parliament House, George Street in Brisbane. Uh, A little bit of a focus on Queensland. Queensland's in the firing line right now, Lyle, uh, for what is uh, considered to be a very dangerous cyclone. In fact, thousands of people have been evacuated as Cyclone Debbie approaches the Queensland coast. And, of course, uh, winds reaching 280 kilometres an hour, destructive rain, tidal surges. That's what the Bureau of Meteorology is predicting over this next 24 hours. And people in areas like Bowen and Proserpine and Airlie Beach, uh, many of them have been ordered to evacuate their homes as Debbie intensifies. And I wonder whether, Lyle, you might have some thoughts about uh, our prayer uh, towards uh, what might happen over this next 24 hours. It is a significant natural disaster that is pending up there in the north of Queensland. Uh, your thoughts, Lyle Shelton? Yeah, I agree with you, Neil. I think we should be praying that uh, that uh, the uh, coast and the communities along the coast are spared uh, disaster. Cyclones can be unpredictable. Uh, I know this is predicted to cross the coast as a, a Category 4 Cyclone, it's a very intensive one, possibly around the area of Townsville. Uh, but let's be praying that um, that uh, this uh, thing just moves out to sea and dissipates as a rain depression. Uh, that would be the, the best outcome. So our prayers are certainly with the people of North Queensland. Um, as a Queenslander myself, I, I understand this. Um, my brother-in-law uh, is a member of the um, Queensland Fire and Rescue Swiftwater Rescue Team. He's been deployed uh, from Ipswich up to North Queensland. So um, I'm sure... Uh, there'll be many families like ours who are watching uh, with with some degree of uh, anxiety uh, but also prayerfully in the midst of this as we've got loved ones uh, involved uh, in in preparing for what uh, could be a disaster. And of course the Whitsunday Islands already being buffeted by gales and the arrival of Cyclone Debbie forecast to be the worst since Cyclone Yazi six years ago. So uh, the encouragement there for listeners uh, to spend some time in prayer. Wouldn't it be a wonderful testimony if that cyclone uh, veered away from the coast and caused no damage at all? Uh, Lyle Shelton, always good getting your insights. Thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us today on 2020. Thanks so much, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.